The following podcast contains material that some people may find triggering or upsetting. If you suffer from a mental health condition, or think that you may do, consult your doctor. I am not a professional. Sometimes, when I get stressed, I like to go for a walk. Until recently, my walking place of choice was the beach. I'm actually not entirely sure that these walks were always good for me, mentally. But I like staring out over the vast expanse of the ocean, and reminding myself how small I am in comparison. And subsequently, how small my problems must be compared to that too. Sometimes I would read or listen to music, but mostly I would just stare. Stare and think. Thinking can be both a poison and an antidote. On a fortunate day, though, I would work through what I was thinking about and return to my apartment, ready to either tackle the problem or enjoy the rest of my day, knowing that I had a plan of action in place. Unlike some of the things we've spoken about on the podcast so far, when it comes to stress, I'm actually quite good at practicing what I preach. So, if it's okay with you, I'm going to take a few minutes to preach about it. This is Burdens, Episode 5. So, for starters, what is stress? I've actually got a handy definition here for you, as it happens. It's almost as if I actually research this stuff before I do the podcast. Uh, Stress is when the pressure we feel exceeds our perceived ability to cope. And there's an important word in there, perceived. I'm not talking about your actual ability to cope. A lot of stress is purely about what we believe we can handle, rather than what we can actually handle. And that's something to bear in mind. But really, the one thing you need to know if you're feeling stressed is, stress is normal. In fact, not only is stress normal, in small doses it's actually good for us. Remember last week how we talked about balancing activities? Not doing too much, not doing too little? Well, it's true here too. We all perform better and feel better when we're under a little bit of manageable, occasional stress. The problem is that sometimes, try as we might, we get overloaded. And that can be an issue. Just like with negative thinking, dealing with stress is usually about detecting it early and implementing a way to cope with it or talk yourself out of it. So let's take a look at things which can cause stress and some of the early warning signs. There are a whole bunch of things which cause stress in our lives, and like I said before, that's normal. Uh, Things like moving house, changes in your job, a new baby, a bereavement, a breakup, retirement. The list is literally endless. And I'm not saying you should avoid those situations, because that would be ridiculous. But being aware of the types of things that you find particularly stressful can be useful, just so you know when to be on your guard. 
The other thing you can be aware of is symptoms. Stress has a huge variety of symptoms, and they vary a lot from person to person. For example, I happen to know that when I'm stressed, I get sweaty and irritable and I eat more. But there are loads of others. You might feel tired or have difficulty concentrating. You might smoke more or drink more. See if you can recall a time you were stressed and figure out what yours are. What are your emotional symptoms, your changes in behaviour, or even physical symptoms? So let's say you've got some stress going on, more than you'd like. Chances are it's because you think you've got a problem, and to that end, one of the best ways to manage stress is actually to deal with your problems, as scary as that might be. But in practice, it's actually kind of easy. Define the problem, and reframe it if you can. Is it really a problem, or is it just something I need to deal with? Sometimes we all treat things like massive problems when actually they're not problems at all, just tasks we need to complete. Is this something you can actually control, or do you need to work on accepting the situation and letting it go? If it's a real problem, and it's something you can do something about, then make an action plan. You might need to brainstorm a few possible solutions, ask friends for advice, whatever it is. Just figure out a way you can potentially solve the issue. Try it, and see if it works. If yes, great. If not, then you can try again. I have some advice I can share when it comes to evaluating your own worries and identifying problems. One thing that's really useful is to remember the importance of the present moment. We can't change the past, nor can we really know the future. So the only logical course of action we can take is to act in the right now. If you're worrying about the past or the future, you're probably not helping yourself. Something I alluded to last week was the way our minds can warp and distort the issues we're encountering. And this is really critical when trying to deal with stress. When you worry about something, you tend to worry about the scenarios you don't have a plan for. For example, and I apologise in advance because this is a very long-winded example, but let's say you're planning a barbecue. The following scenarios cross your mind. Scenario 1. A vegetarian might turn up. Scenario 2. It might rain. Scenario 3. A swarm of bees might descend on the party. Okay, so three options, and right off the bat, your mind instinctively deals with the first two. If a vegetarian shows up, you know that you've got some veggie burgers in the freezer somewhere, and you're doing corn on the cob, so that'll be fine. If it rains, you happen to have a small covered area where your guests can still sit. Then you think about the bees. And you don't have a plan for bees. Nobody has a plan for bees. But the fact that you don't have a plan for it makes it scary. And because it's scary, you think about it more. Maybe even get quite anxious about it. We're going to talk about anxiety more next week, by the way. In the end, you might spend 90% of your time stressed about bees when in reality, the chances of a bee attack are very slim. A lot slimmer than the chances of the other things happening, anyway. If you catch yourself doing this, remind yourself that just because you're worried about a specific scenario, that scenario is not necessarily any more likely to happen. If your stress is work-related, remember that your employer has a responsibility to ensure that your work environment isn't too stressful. If you find that all your stress is coming from work, then it might be something you want to discuss with your line manager or HR department. 
You owe it to yourself to at least try having that conversation, if you need it. One other way to combat stress is by good planning and time management. We've spoken about that before on the podcast, and the same rules apply. Pace yourself and stick to a plan. It works. And something else we can do to help with stress is develop our communication skills. Good communication helps us to say no when we need to, and makes it easier to ask for help. And we're going to cover communication in more detail next week too. I'm full of teasers this week. One of the really damaging things about stress is that it can affect our sleep. And I'm sure you've probably heard that sleep is really important. A lack of sleep can really exacerbate a low mood. And it makes you irritable and more likely to descend into a spiral. So how does sleep really work? You may have heard people talking about sleep before about cycles and stages, and it can be pretty confusing, so I'm just going to lay out the really important stuff. There are several stages of sleep, and you can think of them as being like the depth of your sleep. The first stage is REM sleep, which you might be familiar with, REM. It means rapid eye movement, not the band. And this is when we have most of our dreams, and it's our mind trying to kind of unpack things. And at the other end of the spectrum is deep sleep, which is like the restorative sleep we really need. It's the most important bit of all, which makes our bodies feel better. The interesting thing is that going through all the stages only takes approximately 90 minutes in total. When people talk about cycles of sleep, this is what they mean. You go through all the stages over 90 minutes, and then you may even wake up for a brief moment, roll over, adjust your pillow, whatever, and then the cycle starts all over again. So you may think that you need something like 8 or 9 hours sleep, but physically and scientifically speaking, you don't. We only really need to go through a couple of these cycles to be back on our feet, and several cycles is plenty. There are lots of cultures with vastly different sleeping patterns to our own, and they manage just fine without a full 9 hours every night. This knowledge actually helps some people, because some people stress out of their lack of sleep, totally unnecessarily. They might wake up at 5am and be upset that they're not getting enough sleep, but in reality, if their body has chosen to wake up at 5am, it's probably the end of a cycle, and they've probably got everything they need. So next time you wake up early, even if it's the middle of the night, don't be disheartened. Unless something specifically woke you up, that's just your body letting you know that you're good to go. There's one other big sleep myth I wanted to tackle here, because I think it's something a lot of people believe, and it's about alcohol. You may think that alcohol helps you sleep. In a sense, you're right, it does. But what alcohol does is makes it easy for you to slip into the early stages of sleep, while also preventing you from reaching the essential, deeper levels. So you'll be sleeping, but you won't be getting the benefit. Think about it. If you go to sleep after a lot of alcohol, do you wake up feeling good, or do you wake up still tired, unrefreshed, and hungover? So how do we get good sleep? If you struggle with sleeping, there's a few things you can do, and they may seem obvious, but I thought it was worth running some of them down. First up, caffeine. Caffeine is really bad for you generally, but it's especially bad if you have sleep problems. You should stop drinking it like six hours before you go to bed, or just quit altogether. Exercise is good for helping you sleep. Uh, Like I mentioned, drinking alcohol is not a good idea, and neither is smoking, because that will wake you up too. Keep your meals light if they're right before bed, 
and you could try taking a hot bath about an hour before your bedtime. That can help a lot because your body likes to start sleeping when it feels a sense of cooling down, like after you've got out of the bath. You might have noticed that I said the words bedtime there, and that's a critical part of managing your sleep. You have to have a routine, a plan, and stick to it. Plan your day for good sleep, and for that matter, make sure you have your bedroom planned out appropriately too. Quiet, cool, dark. Put away the monitors and screens, and learn to associate your bed with sleep. Sometimes, over a long period of time, we can learn to associate our bed with other activities like hanging out on our laptops or even the act of trying to sleep and getting stressed out. And that's not what you want. So if you find yourself in that scenario, then resolve that if you're not sleeping, you'll simply get out of bed and go and do something else until you feel sleepy and then try again. Whether you're stressed, can't sleep or both, you may find it useful to try some relaxation techniques. To be honest, when I describe them to you, they're all going to sound like new age bullshit. But there are several to choose from, and they're worth a try, right? Controlled breathing is perhaps the most popular relaxation technique because it's simple to learn and you can do it anywhere, even out and about, when a stressful situation occurs. It helps you to feel in control. The way most people do this is by counting seconds. So, a number of seconds to breathe in, and a number of seconds to breathe out. Different people have different preferences here, but obviously you need to do at least a few seconds for it to have a calming effect. So, for example, if you were doing six seconds, it would be something like this. Breathe in, two, three, four, five, six. Breathe out, two, three, four, five, six. Breathe in, two, three, four, five, six. Breathe out, two, three, four, five, six. Breathe in, two, three, four, five, six, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six. Another way people relax is by working through areas of their body one at a time, focusing on their muscles, trying to relieve tension in them. You may also be interested in mindfulness, which is when we practice living in the moment, being mindful of the present. But the classic relaxation technique is called guided imagery. This is when someone takes you on like a mental tour, and you close your eyes and try to picture it. It functions as a sort of distraction, but also tricks our brains into releasing happy chemicals. So it's sort of like taking drugs, but not really as fun. Uh, I thought we could actually try one right now. If you're driving a car or operating heavy machinery right now, feel free to skip this. In fact, please do skip this. Don't hurt yourself. First, make sure you're sitting comfortably. Upright hands out flat in front of you on your lap or on a table, feet planted firmly on the ground, and close your eyes. I want you to imagine a place you've been before, somewhere beautiful, somewhere you'd like to go again. It could be a park, or a beach, or anywhere at all. Somewhere you felt at peace, Picture it in your mind. What can you see? Look out across the area you're in and take in the view. Listen carefully to the sounds of the environment around you. Take a deep breath and as you do so, 
Think about the smell of this particular place. Think about how it feels when you're there. Perhaps a cool breeze or the warmth of the sun on your skin. This place is special. Your worries and cares do not matter here in this moment. Take your time. Imagine making yourself comfortable here. You could lay down and stare up at the sky, or sit comfortably here, and you can stay as long as you like. You have the power to come here whenever you want, simply by closing your eyes and willing yourself mentally back to this moment. For now, enjoy a few more moments of peace here, and when you feel ready, open your eyes again. Hopefully you found that useful. Next week is the final episode of the first season of the podcast. I can't believe we're here already. We'll be talking about anxiety and confidence. For now, I'm off to relax. I'll see you next time.